0: All right, Mr. Manager. Uh, thank you, Mayor. So I'll do a, a quick agenda uh, review for you. Um, got a couple of pop up items. I'm going to ask uh, in a moment Nikki Riddick, uh, Director of General Services, to come up and talk about it. go to lease. Y'all obviously heard a lot about that, deferred that item, and just want you to know uh, where that is. Um, water revenue bond financing that's on your agenda. Um, Catherine WHITE IS going to jump up and give you two minutes. Y'all are very familiar with what's going WITH WHAT'S HAPPENING THERE IN TERMS OF uh, CAPITAL FOR THE UTILITIES FUND, BUT I THINK BECAUSE IT'S AN $85 MILLION NUMBER, IT'S GOOD FOR THE PUBLIC TO BE, TO to UNDERSTAND WHAT WE'RE DOING. Um, WOULD SAY TO, YOU'VE GOT ON YOUR AGENDA TONIGHT, OBVIOUSLY, THE uh, ST. PAUL'S RESOLUTION, WHICH YOU ALL HAVE, uh, OVER THE COURSE OF THE LAST uh, COUPLE OF WEEKS, GIVEN US SOME uh, IMPORTANT BUT MODEST CHANGES THAT HAVE BEEN MADE. Uh, we were talking with uh, Dr. Wibley this afternoon and, and, and added a little bit of language about, um, just want you to know this, about health and nutrition <coughs> and, and food options in that I think is, is consistent with all the things we're doing. So uh, Bernard's got that, that changed. Uh, I know Mr. Smeagol I suspect to talk to folks, but it's got an item that he wants to add to the agenda that we will talk about of, um, that VML is supporting, basically leaving localities with control of uh, wireless facilities that get put up in our... Um, IN OUR COMMUNITIES, AND SO uh, HE'LL EXPLAIN THAT TO YOU uh, OUT FRONT. AND THEN um, YOU'VE GOT THE, uh, the CAFR THAT'S IN FRONT OF EVERYBODY, THE COMPREHENSIVE ANNUAL FINANCIAL REPORT, AND uh, JOHN SANDERMAN, AND uh, YOUR AUDITOR, AND Cheryl ZISTROS WITH uh, KPMG, AND uh, uh, Christine GARZINSKI WILL BE HERE TO PRESENT THAT TO YOU IN A FEW MINUTES. Um, George Homewood is going to s- step up and talk about zoning ordinance. So I know you all have had a lot of conversation, particularly the last call at 96 hours or so, from different folks uh, among yourselves and uh, with uh, folks with or- from different organizations, particularly TBA. So uh, George will kind of talk you through, uh, remind you of kind of where we've been in terms of putting that together and how we got here and give you all a chance, frankly, to talk a little bit about many uh, concerns and, and uh, items that you have um, uh, before the, the public hearing. I'm going to do a little flip and, and ask uh, Greg Patrick to, to come up after that and do his, his budget vignette, which would be on our outside agencies. And then um, we've got a little bit of cushion in that we've got another meeting on the 6th before you retreat. But uh, so, uh, hopefully we'll have time, and I'll get, talk to you a little bit about what we're going to try and accomplish at the retreat on the uh, 12th and 13th um, of February. So um, when we go out, just to say it, uh, when we go out front, you've got a couple of special guests. I'll remind everybody you've got... Um, from the Coast Guard, Admiral Meredith Austin and Captain Rick Webster, who are going to come, uh, give up an award for some pretty heroic actions uh, by our police and uh, fire representatives. And then uh, Admiral Nielsen is coming from NATO to present um, some signs to you. That's uh, item uh, R one, I think, on your DOCUMENT. We've actually moved that up, so it'll be the first thing you can vote on. But this really, it, it, it's, I think, it's wonderful timing in that these signs are going to really identify Norfolk in three different locations as a NATO community and have the flags of the communities on there. And one of the things that I know you all, and the mayor in particular, have talked a lot about is it. really highlighting the fact that we are a NATO community and that we host that, and, and we're proud of that. Um, so, with that said, I'm going to ask, you uh, ready? Oh,
1: uh, may I? That, that, uh, yeah. uh, Kenny, the mayor and I were speaking while you were, so you may have gone over this. But, okay. Um, we wanted to make certain that everybody was aware that um, added to the St. Paul's resolution is the provision for the mayor's advisory committee. Uh, chaired by uh, Mr. Riddick and um, um, uh, Angela. Mm-hmm. I
2: did
0: not say that.
2: Oh, okay, <laughs> okay thank you, <laughs> also, And also, Mr. Uh, Mr. Manager, I think it's worth noting that Section Three, that the city and Norfolk Redevelopment Housing Authority, in collaboration with residents, shall develop and coordinate a comprehensive revitalization plan in a manner that recognizes
0: uh, the guiding principles. I think that's worth. That sure. It's a citizens-driven. Good. ALL RIGHT, NIKKI, IF YOU COME UP AND JUST uh, GIVE FOLKS, AND, and I, I WILL SAY THIS HAS BEEN A, a LOT OF FOLKS HAVE BEEN INVOLVED and in A LOT OF INTERACTION. I WANT TO THANK Brother AND HIS STAFF, PARTICULARLY uh, ALEX PINKUS uh, HAS BEEN REALLY uh, DOING SOME OF THE HEAVY LIFTING of TRYING TO BRING um, some, SOME NEIGHBORS AND THE, uh, the OPERATOR TOGETHER AND um, ALEX WILL BE AVAILABLE to, TO ANSWER QUESTIONS OUT FRONT AS WELL. GOOD EVENING. Um,
3: As the manager said, we have been working closely with the city attorney's office to work with the community and the Friends of the Pagoda to develop a new lease that kind of is a compromise between all parties. So, as you know, the community concerns are the amplified music, parking, trash, operating hours, and the events hosted at the Oriental Garden and Promenade. So this lease, the new lease, has been designed to um, address all of these items. And like I said, ultimately, both all parties compromised, and we came up with a, a really solid lease with um, some flexibility if needed. So the new lease terms include a one-year lease for, with four optional renewals. Um, it addresses the amplified music within the footprint of the pagoda. That requires a permit. Um, the amp- music must be low and not be a nuisance to the community. And the permit cannot exceed six months and can be revoked at any time. But the permit also provides flexibility after six months to see if there's any, um, if there could be any changes. um, Either way, based on um, the pagodas, uh, the friends of the pagoda, as well as the community, there's a permit required for to reserve parking for events. And if any events block public access, um, there's a permit required for each occurrence. So, again, we we address the music, the the permit must have a setup time, event time, and a takedown time, and um, events must end by 9 p.m. on the weekdays and 10 p.m. on the weekends. And the permit process is an online process. It will go to all the departments that are relevant, um, general services, public works, recreation parks and open space, as well as um, cultural facilities. Um, and our promise to uh, the friends of the pagodas to get a response within 24 hours, so that they can continue on with the um, application. And again, trash that's not uh, contained must be removed the following following the event. And that's all of the issues. And um, we recommend, yes.
4: After the one-year lease with four optional renewals, what happens then?
3: We would have to go into another lease negotiation. Okay,
4: a complete. New lease
3: negotiation. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes, it would be a new lease. Yes, sir. really? Yeah. Um,
5: as far as amplified music is concerned, will it be a decibel level that's measured, or just uh, somebody's opinion as whether well it's too loud or not?
3: Actually, it's someone's opinion. Um, it would be someone could probably call the police. We found that the decibel levels. Um, we don't have decibel meters, so putting that in there wasn't right. fruitful.
1: That's that, PRACTICAL ANSWER, right. BUT IN ADDITION TO THE PERMIT AND THE SPECIAL EXCEPTION, WE DO HAVE A NOISE ORDINANCE THAT uh, I- EXCESS OF A DECIBEL LEVEL UNDER IT WOULD CONSTITUTE A MISDEMEANOR. SO so THE NOISE ORDINANCE STILL APPLIES AND THAT IS GOVERNED STRICTLY BY DECIBEL levels. OKAY. THANK YOU. GOOD JOB, Nikki Thank, THANK YOU. ALL
0: RIGHT, MR. MANAGER. ALL RIGHT, SO I'D ASK Catherine TO STEP UP AND JUST GIVE YOU um, A COUPLE of MINUTES ON THE um, uh, REVENUE BOND FINANCING FOR THE uh, WATER
6: take Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna take THIS IS A uh, PLANNED BOND ISSUANCE BASED ON THE CIP THAT YOU ALL APPROVED LAST SPRING. Um, FOR UP TO $85 MILLION, THERE'S QUITE A BIT OF CASH FINANCING IN THE WATER AND SEWER CIP. Water CIP. Um, SO WE'LL BE WORKING WITH THE RATING AGENCIES TO DETERMINE THE EXACT AMOUNT. SOME OF THE PROJECTS, BECAUSE I KNOW I'VE HAD QUESTIONS ABOUT THAT BASED ON THE LAST TIME I WAS UP HERE, IS TO IMPROVE THE WATER PIPELINE STRUCTURE. UPGRADE MORRIS BRIDGE'S WATER Treatment PLANT, REHABILITATE RESERVOIR
7: SYSTEM-WIDE, AND DESIGN AND CONSTRUCT THE 37TH STREET PLANT. THOSE ARE ALL PROJECTS THAT ARE IN YOUR CURRENT CIP, AND THIS IS SUPPORTED BY CURRENT USER FEES WITHIN THE
6: WATER
0: SYSTEM. I right. GUESS okay, I SAY I THINK COUNCIL IS CERTAINLY FAMILIAR WITH THAT, BUT WHEN YOU HAVE AN ITEM THAT LARGE, I THINK IT'S GOOD FOR THE PUBLIC TO HEAR uh, WHAT WE'RE DOING. Um, thank you. So uh, I'd ask John Sanderlin, the city auditor, to, to come forward. And, and as I said earlier, uh, Cheryl Zistros with KPMG and um, Christine Garzinski are here. And you have in front of you the uh, the CAFR. And so John will frame the presentation for you. Good afternoon.
2: Good
4: afternoon. You
0: have this great big book here
2: that has a lot of nice financial information that's been audited. And
8: tonight, this evening, we have our external officers with us who. We contract with to audit
2: these nice numbers, and they'll come in at this time to present the financial, uh, to present
1: their report, and entertain any questions that you may have regarding this. And our finance director is here as well, in case you have any questions with the specifics of some things. Thank you, Cheryl Zistras,
7: KPMG. Thank you. Thank you, uh, everyone, for uh, having us back, and we're pleased to uh, present the completion of the audit. Uh, I know I was here to talk with you a couple months ago in the planning phase. Um, I'm just going to briefly go through a summary of the audit results. We'll go through very briefly um, the required communications to the governing body that are um, required under auditing standards. And I, you should also have a letter uh, that we issued that has that information in writing that supplements the... Uh, that what we'll talk about very briefly today, and then we'll talk through just briefly the internal control and single audit uh, results of that process. Okay, so we will start with the good news here. That's all good news, but <laughs> the really good news. So we did issue a clean or an unmodified opinion uh, on the CAFR for this year, as well as uh, clean, unmodified opinions on all of the other entities that we audit across the city, the schools, the Economic Development Authority, um, water and sewer have separate, water and wastewater have separate statements uh, that we issue. Um, we've also issued on all of those entities the required, um, it's kind of a negative assurance report over internal control and compliance in uh, under government auditing <coughs> standards and we completed the single audit of your federal programs and then certain state requirements that are laid out by the auditor of public accounts, and we'll talk about that a little bit further later. Um, in terms of required communications, if you walked through the letter uh, that we provide, we start with you know, what an audit is, what it isn't. Um, obviously the goal of an audit is to detect material errors. Um, we do spend some time looking at controls and looking at fraud risk factors, but only from the perspective of trying to address how those items might impact material errors in the financial statements. Um, obviously, you have a very thick book in front of you, and about half of it is the actual audit. And also included in there are other supplementary um, information, statistical tables and Um, a management's discussion and analysis that your team here puts together. Um, And we're here to tell you that we've read all that information to make sure that it's consistent with what we have learned from performing the audit of the city. Um, Accounting policies and alternative treatments are described in the first note of the financial statements. The city did adopt uh, an accounting standard that requires the disclosure of tax abatement arrangements. Um, and if you wanted to take a look at that, it's in note 19 on page 131 in the document. It's just a table that lays out some of the arrangements that the city has entered into. Um, qualitative aspects of accounting practices. Um, we do want to communicate to you that we have considered not just the acceptability, but also the, the preferability of the accounting standards that the city chooses. Sometimes there are choices that can be made and that we don't have any concerns with the choices that have been made when selecting accounting policies. Um, Accounting, uh, there are judgments and estimates that are involved in the financial statements and I think I told you up front, you know, what we would focus on with respect to those. Um, You have a self-insurance liability which includes both the health Insurance for the city's employees and schools, actually, and, and uh, NRHA as well. And then uh, also uh, workers' comp and general liability type insurance. And then we have pension and other post-employment benefits. And we've looked at those estimates and we've had our own independent actuary take a look at what the city's actuaries have done and, you know, did not take exception to those calculations. I'VE ASKED THAT
5: IN THE PAST, AS, uh, far as OUR the, RETIREMENT. System.
7: IN THE PENSION PLAN? IT'S yes. ABOUT 82, I THINK? We can, you know, we can, YEAH. IT'S
5: ABOUT 82%. You know, uh, I WAS given THAT INFORMATION SOME TIME AGO, AND it was, IT WAS REALLY IN THE 70s. Mm-hmm. SO ONE DAY IF YOU JUST GIVE ME THE ACTUAL AMOUNT, AS OPPOSED TO THE, uh, uh, the ABOUT, BECAUSE THAT'S VERY IMPORTANT.
7: OKAY. Give you, IT'S IN THE, IF YOU LOOK IN THE SCHEDULES IN THE BACK, IT SHOWS. Yeah, I mean, I guess part of the reason why we use about (laughs) is because of the timing of how things are reported, because the liability that gets recorded in the financial statements is actually the liability at the beginning of the year, and then we include the assets at the end of the year, so there's always going to be a little estimation. Um, But there's a a table that um, uh, required supplementary information. I can look it up for you as soon as I get... Uh, up from here, that, show, that actually has data that we're building, you know, over it that will eventually be a 10 year table once we get 10 years under the new accounting standard that uh, gives you that information. So, um, there were a couple of adjustments that are reflected at the back of the letter that uh, were not corrected in the city's financial statements. They were deemed to be immaterial to open the books and correct those. Um, I can take any questions, but I won't go through those in detail. But they are attached to the letter that we wrote. And then, you know, there were no disagreements or um, any other significant items to report uh, that would be of concern in performing the audit. Um, And we do confirm, we did in writing, confirm our independence uh, with respect to the city. Uh, as of the date we issued the financials. Um, okay, we're going to talk for a few minutes about the single audit and about internal control. Uh, we do report in that government auditing standards report that there were no material weaknesses and controls that were identified as part of the audit. Uh, we did uh, note a significant deficiency, which I know you all are very familiar with, with respect to the payroll implementation issues that occurred uh, early in this calendar year, Um, and, you know, basically what we focused on there is the need to make sure that when system changes are implemented that they're uh, adequately tested uh, before they go live. Um, Just the, it's, I, I guess the definition of a significant deficiency is something that is not material enough to have caused a material error in the financial statements, but something that's important to identify, you know, that we spent quite a bit of time on in the audit to the governing body. So again, you know, I think we've worked our way through it and, you know, the errors were not material to the financial statements, but something to think about in the future in terms of of the controls that are in place around the implementation of new systems.
4: So if you say that we've worked our way through it, so does that mean we've solved the problem?
7: Uh, Well, I think the system issues have been resolved, right? But then because the system's issues existed, it was a fairly lengthy process to go through, you know, thousands of paychecks and... You know identify all the errors and make sure you know that things were made right you know with respect to the employees and I think you know I mean Christine would be in a better spot to tell you exactly where we, I, I mean I'm I know that all the underpayments were taken care of quickly and we could see that you know in what we saw some of the overpayments I think you know maybe are still being worked through so so, so I, I
9: would Mm-hmm. Still has some small some small things, um, but we're fixing them each week as we identify them versus large issues that cause great disruptions. In, in order for us,
10: mm-hmm.
9: so the large issues,
7: that we the so. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, we perf- we perform pr- some procedures to try to figure out like what portion of the population we should do detailed sampling on, you know, around the errors. And you know, we basically determined that there were not many errors after about April 30, so we kind of focused on focused a lot of work on the period from 1-1 to April 30. So, um, and if you if you wanted to see our write up on that, it's on it's in the compliance section at the back of the report, which starts on page 232. Uh, the single audit. Um, was also completed there was hundred and seven million in federal assistance in FY 17. This is up um, Quite a bit actually from the last couple of years uh, due to a couple things at the schools and then um, the, the grant that you all have for the new school building as well as the resilience grant uh, That our custom grants, you know for the city of Norfolk that started during this year. Uh, We did look at eight programs. We looked at two at Norfolk Public Schools and six uh, here at the city, one of which was the school grant. Um, The resilience grant was still below the threshold at this point uh, but would probably be picked up next year. Uh, This year, because of the size of the federal assistance, the threshold to be considered a major program is $3 million, and any program over that will be audited at least once every three years and then certain small programs are audited each year on a more rotating basis. Uh, We did have three findings, um, and actually it's pretty good news because we've had more in the past, so three is good. Uh, The first one was, the first two were at the Human Services Department. in those uh, health and human services programs. Uh, The first one just dealt with a file that was incomplete. Uh, Some of the documentation was not there in the sample that we tested. Uh, The second one is in TANF. This is the one that we seem to have every year and is a little complicated for the folks over there because of the way the city's responsibilities link with the state's systems. Um, But there were a couple. I think actually one was an overpayment and one was an underpayment. Um, That, primarily due to uh, when facts and circumstances change and something either needs to be cut off or restarted. It's very challenging to get that exactly perfect. And then the third finding was in the Child Nutrition Cluster, the National School Breakfast and Lunch Program, and there were actually, again, one one way and one the other in uh, eligibility uh, decision errors uh, where a student that should have been eligible for free was given reduced and then one that went the opposite way. Uh, and then we, in terms of the auditor of public accounts uh, procedures that we required to do, there were a couple of just minor findings, uh, one at the schools and then one related to access at human services. I mean, you all have compensating controls with respect to that one, uh, other layers of access in the IT systems, but the requirement is very narrow. So, uh, any questions for me? Okay, thank you very much, and thank you very much to uh, Christine and her staff. Uh, I know it's not an easy thing to work through an audit, and we do appreciate their hard work and assistance.
0: Right. Cheryl and John and Christine, thank you, and, and um, you know, it was a year with um, a, a lot went on, You know, and you all, we've talked a lot about the payroll and the things that happened there, but um, very proud of Christine and her team and the work that they've done as that, that was going on in parallel to, to get out a report like this that's as clean as it is and as timely as it is, so we're, we're certainly proud of them. All right, so your next item is um, George Homewood is going to uh, step forward and talk to you. You've got a uh, PowerPoint that you all received, and he's going to talk us through uh, relative to the zoning ordinance. As I said, last night we are expecting some speakers tonight, and I know some of you all have some specific um, questions. Thank
1: you, Mr. Mayor, members of of city council. Um, I know that um, you probably don't want to be bored with, with, death by PowerPoint tonight, Um, so I want to just talk through a couple things. Um, We promised you two years ago that we're going to bring to you the most resilient zoning ordinance in America. We believe we've done that. Um, And um, to our knowledge, this is the most resilience-focused policy document um, that has been proposed by any locality anywhere um, in the U.S., But resilience, like freedom, isn't free. Um, There are costs associated with being um, a resilient community. Um, The other thing I want to make sure that everyone understands is that from the day one, we never ever contemplated um, that this document uh, was going to um, drive to the lowest common denominator. Um, This this is an aspirational document um, that is intended to elevate our city. Um, and look forward to the midpoint of the 21st century um, and, and well beyond. Um, contrary to, to some statements that we've heard recently, um, the document that you have all had before you and, and we've talked about um, many times um, has been tested. Um, it was tested as part of the contract with the, um, the consultant group, um, and then we has also had a separate contract uh, with WPA to actually look at the, the cost factors. I mean, one of the things that we decided two years ago was that as we were building this, we wanted to make sure that we never, ever priced anybody out of the market. Um, and to our knowledge, we have not done that. Are there some additional costs that, that are associated with what's in this document? Absolutely. As I said, resilience is not free. But, having said that, many of these additional costs are in things that um, are like elevation, stormwater management, um, that will actually drive down the total cost of ownership of a property over the period of ownership. While it might drive up the initial acquisition cost, the total cost of ownership, uh, we believe, will be will be driven down in terms of lower insurance costs, lower fees, um, and a, um, a more... Um, um, environmentally and sustainable approach to, um, to, to energy as well as to um, development. So we think that, that what we are bringing to you tonight um, is a, um, a document of which all of us can be proud. I want to make something really clear. Planning department, will we agree that we will own this document. We know that it's not perfect. We know that there are going to be some mistakes in there. You know, as I was talking to some people earlier today, you know, Apple tries to get that iOS version perfect, but you know what? The day it's released, um, all of a sudden that's when they discover that there's problems and they have to do a re-release the immediate next day. We're probably in that situation. We pledge to you that whatever things we find, we're going to get fixed. And not only are we going to get them fixed, we're going to make sure that the projects and the, the people who are involved are not going to be harmed by the fact that we may have made an error. We will find ways to make them whole through the process while we get to the fix. That's, that's our pledge to you. <clears throat> I think some of you have heard that this has been done in a vacuum, um, in, in the dark, in smoke-filled rooms. Nothing, I mean nothing, could be further from the truth. To our knowledge, this has been the most most open process that we've ever had for any project um, in the city of Norfolk with the greatest amount of participation other than um, elections. Um, With respect to the the Tidewater Builder Association, who has raised some issues, um, they were a part of the advisory group. The advisory group met eight times during this process. We met nine separate times in addition with the TBA. However, I think one of the things that that you all do need to be aware of is that the TBA came to the public hearing for the Planning Commission on the 17th of October and brought many of the same comments that you all um, have heard from them. We asked them to get together with us and we would try to work through as many of them as possible. The number of times the TBA met with staff in spite of many outreach efforts, is zero, not once. And that is since October 17th. We mo- most recently, we had a meeting scheduled for last week that they canceled at the last minute. Um, so we, we have tried. <laughs> we, we, have, we believe that this has been an open process, um, and we have welcomed anybody and everyone to provide as much input as, as possible. Because, you know, this is not the zoning staff's document. This is really not even city council's document. This is a document that belongs to the quarter of a million residents um, who live in this great city um, and the the what we expect is another 50,000 who will join living in this great city um, over the next 50 to 75 years. That's who we've written this document for. Um, so um, I, I just... You know, I, I can quickly go through the, the, the PowerPoint. You all have had it. Um, I think at this point it's probably easier for me to respond to any questions that you may have.
8: In the letter from TBA, um, they said that the estimates that planning said um, that this would only increase um, potentially homeowners' costs, 500 to 2500 or the... Overall cost of the property that they're, they're going to pass that on, you know, to the buyer. Um, but they're estimating that it would raise it um, as high as 14,480. So their range is 7,330 to 14, but our range said 500 to 2,500. Ultimately, passing the um, expense on to the, the buyer. Um, I'm assuming these are new properties. That's um, and they pointed out that just the fee. Alone, the new fee is five hundred and five dollars. So our range says five hundred to twenty-five. I'm just reading what they have. So, um, and according to a couple people I spoke to today, they said that they ran this through all their subcontractors as much as they could, and that that's what they came up with up to this point without having gone through all eight hundred pages in there in the document. So I'm just. That was one of my concerns, and I I spoke to Doug earlier, and I've spoken to you, George. You guys have done an outstanding job getting this out to the community. I don't know the pitfalls of TBA and their outreach. I do know, initially, the person that was on there was not actually um, asked by the TBA as the representative. He was just asked and happened to be a TBA member, and he didn't show up to meetings. But they did get engaged in the last 10 months um, of it. They have a municipal committee. (laughs) That probably should have been involved from the very beginning, uh, according to them. So, uh, and there's no reason for anybody to get defensive here. the The matter that we, I think, my concern and Councilwoman Williams have is, uh, and you can stop me if I misrepresent you, um, is, you know, we we have a 13 million dollar budget shortfall, and not that they're threats, but the conversations from developers are. BECAUSE NORFOLK IS TAKING SUCH A DRASTIC APPROACH WHEN IT COMES TO RESILIENCY, AND IT'S NOT THAT THEY'RE OPPOSED TO RESILIENCY, AND SOME OF THE NEW FORM-BASED STANDARDS, THAT um, IT'S GOING TO STOP DEVELOPMENT IN NORFOLK OR IT'S GOING TO SCARE AWAY DEVELOPERS. MY BIGGEST CONCERN IS, uh, AND I'M NOT ANTI-RESILIENCY, IS THAT NORFOLK IS SWALLOWING A GIANT RESILIENCY PILL uh, RIGHT NOW, AND INSTEAD OF TAKING this and. S- in a slow approach, that we're just doing it all at once. You said we would be the first city, you know, that probably has taken this on, and I, I'm worried that Norfolk wants to be the first city to carry that torch with, and we're not thinking in the future on the impact this may have on our economics. Um, planning folks, no offense, to you guys, you're not economic people necessarily. There are some things you do, but I, that's my concern. Not opposed to any of the work the staff staff's done an outstanding job with this. My concern at this point, and it's not necessarily TBA bringing it up, because I've been talking about this for a while, is that I would uh, WOULD have rather us take this in a slower approach uh, THAN this. I know there's a sense of urgency, and I know some people on the other side would say, "Well, it won't matter in you know, 20 25 years we'll be underwater anyway." But I do care right now. I'm in the moment, and I care about development being stalled. BECAUSE OF WHETHER IT'S AN IMPRESSION, um, THAT THERE'S AN ISSUE HERE, AND I'M ALSO CONCERNED TOO BECAUSE, DOUG, YOU SAID IT, GEORGE, YOU JUST SAID IT, THAT THERE'S MISTAKES IN THERE, THERE'S THINGS THAT ARE WRONG, AND I DON'T WANT TO FIND OUT LATER THAT THERE'S BIGGER MISTAKES AND THAT WE'VE LOST POTENTIAL FOR DEVELOPMENT IN OUR CITY WHERE WE NEED DEVELOPMENT RIGHT NOW. THERE ARE COMMUNITIES THAT ARE HOPPING WITH DEVELOPMENT, AND WE'VE, we've HAD THINGS IN PLACE TO HELP WITH RESILIENCY. I DON'T WANT THAT TO STOP BECAUSE NOW BUILDERS ARE AFRAID OF THIS. AND SO WHETHER THE DIALOGUE WASN'T ENOUGH, WHETHER TBA SHOULD HAVE HAD MORE PEOPLE, I DON'T CARE ABOUT ANY OF THAT AT THE END OF THE DAY. I CARE ABOUT WHAT, what THIS IMPACT IS GOING TO BE ON OUR ECONOMIC, AT THE BOTTOM AND THE END. AND IF YOU LOOK IN THIS, YOU'LL SEE THAT WE'RE PROBABLY AT THE HIGHEST WE'VE BEEN IN A LONG TIME WITH BUILDING PERMITS IN NORFOLK, um, AND I, I AM CONCERNED ABOUT THAT NUMBER DROPPING it isn't about build, build, build. I, 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 in fact, there's places in the Ocean View, i love for us to tear down, tear down, tear down and let water run through it. Uh, but there are other places that we should be building and we should be growing those communities back and bringing new families in. You know, one of the things this doesn't take into consideration is Norfolk still has a stigma with schools and it still has a stigma with crime. Um, and so now we're adding another layer on this of uh, hurting us with developers. And Angela, I'm sorry I didn't... If I've had any of that wrong, please stop me.
9: No, absolutely not. I mean, the, the thing that I, um, my concern is, is the cost of land does keep going up. The cost of building materials keeps going up. And to and, and and we get calls, I get calls about things that happen. And it's easy for you to stand there and say to and you know I love you, but it's easy for you to stand there and say, if we find a mistake, we'll fix it. <clears throat> but it's not that easy when a builder has purchased a lot they're trying to get a permit or they're trying to do whatever and we find a mistake. You guys can't just call us up for an emergency meeting and say, "Hey, we found a mistake. We want to fix it." There's people who are whose job it is for lack of a better word to argue the reason why a builder has to do something. And if it's the rule, if it's the the ordinance, it's kind of like when you're when you ask your parent why and they say because I said so. It becomes that because it's the rule. And so my, my concern is that there are, there are issues there and it's, they're not that easy to fix because the person at the bottom, the builder and the person at the customer service desk getting to a shouting match or whatever and then the builder leaves and they're pissed and then they don't come back. And they talk amongst themselves, and then we lose other builders. And for some of the things that are in here, um, the not the conforming lots, you know, they're conforming lots. Why are we making so many restrictions on conforming lots when they are conforming? At some point, you have to let people build. Um, but I, I'm just concerned that it's going to drive away. I agree with Tommy, the schools, the um. The crime, all of that are issues that you have to overcome. And I don't know, I'm, I'm really concerned about it because I hear about it from developers and this doesn't make it
2: better. Okay, Mr. Riddick, yeah. that's right. Well, not being a developer,
5: not being in real estate, <laughs> uh one question that comes to my mind is that uh, I wonder if the, the the property owners in Houston, uh, THIS LAST SEASON uh, WOULD HAVE WISHED, YOU KNOW, FOR SOMETHING LIKE THIS IN TERMS OF THE DIFFERENT HEIGHTS THAT WE'VE uh, INSTITUTED uh, TO to KIND OF WORK WITH RESILIENCE, THAT'S THE FIRST THING. AND SECONDLY, THESE these BUILDERS THAT WE HAVE TO COME IN TOWN, THEY JUST COME HERE TO GRIND UP AS MUCH MONEY AS THEY CAN AND MOVE on. YOU KNOW, um, I, I LOOK AT SOME OF THE, uh, the lawyers that come down here and lobby for these guys and women uh, who are coming here uh, trying to make as much money as they can and moving on. So I think um, making them toe uh, a stronger line, they know what our school district is like when they get here. They know about the uh, crime in this urban area is concerned. But if, if we get them a nice piece of property and let them build a project that they can uh that's a sound project that they can you know enjoy later on in life i guess it's uh it's 50 50. so i don't buy the uh the fact that these that these developers are going somewhere else if they are going somewhere else they probably need to go somewhere else you know but like i say i'm not in real estate like you are and uh i have not an authority on it but i'm just sick and tired of these developers coming down here crying the blues See how much more money they can grind up to go to the next project.
9: Well, I, I will say this, and I, I I understand what you're saying, Mr. Rick, and that and you know, out of state people, that that's one thing. But the Tapwater Builders Association is made up of local builders.
3: And? They're all
9: you know, they're all here, <coughs> and houses here in Norfolk sell. You can buy a bigger house for less money. THEN YOU CAN BUY A SMALLER HOUSE IN SOME OTHER CITIES WHERE THE SCHOOL DISTRICTS ARE BETTER. AND YOU'RE GETTING LESS HOUSE. SO THERE ARE TRADE-OFFS WHEN IT comes. YEAH, YOU CAN GET A BIGGER HOUSE, BUT ARE YOU IN A SAFER NEIGHBORHOOD AND ARE YOU IN A BETTER SCHOOL DISTRICT? IF YOU DON'T HAVE, IF YOU DON'T HAVE KIDS, IT DOESN'T MATTER. WELL, I MEAN, IT MATTERS, BUT IT DOESN'T MATTER. BUT IF YOU HAVE CHILDREN, AND IF THAT'S A PRIORITY FOR YOU, IT DOES MAKE A difference.
6: SO So HOW DOES THAT FIGURE INTO THE ZONING?
9: Because it makes it more expensive to build. And all that happens is that cost is either they don't build or that cost is no, attempted I mean, to be passed on. Crime in the
6: schools. I I didn't understand the analogy.
9: What I'm saying is that if we make it more expensive to build here, there will
6: be less building. Because right, they can't go back get get to the schools in crime, how that factors
8: in. Well then you're not BRINGING in as many people to live in the city, the change the crime and bring families IN that will have their kids in the school system. And
9: you can, and there's That's, a feeling because of we have an older
8: housing
2: stock too. Yeah. So. All right. So let's um, There's let's, a feeling. Let's bring it back, uh, Martin.
11: Yeah. Just a couple of comments. First, I'd like to thank staff and the Planning Commission. I know that we started this process many years ago, and it is it's, it's a groundbreaking uh, zoning ordinance. And to take something from what this uh, City Council has suggested over the last couple of years, it's bold. We are doing something very bold. We are setting the pace for the rest of the country with regard to resilience, and I'm proud of that. I'm glad to support this. Uh, To to respond to some of the concerns, uh, yes, the cost of land may be going up, the cost of materials may be going up, but I'll tell you what is definitely going up, the level of water and the strength of the storms. And we've got to be prepared for that. And let me tell you about costs of houses. I tell you, a house is more expensive or less expensive based on whether it floods. Sure. AND WHAT WE'RE DOING IS WE'RE PROTECTING THESE HOUSES IN THE FUTURE, SO that FUTURE HOMEOWNERS DON'T HAVE TO DO, HAVE TO DEAL WITH REPEATED FLOODS, BOTH FROM STRENGTH OF STORMS AND FROM LEVEL OF sea level. THAT IS OUR JOB, IS TO PROTECT THE FUTURE OF THE CITY, NOT PROTECT THE CURRENT <coughs> ALL
2: RIGHT. SO DR. Wibley? ALL RIGHT. DR. Wibbly. THEN ANDREA, THEN
6: Remy. WELL, I, I TOO AM JUST OVERWHELMED BY THE AMOUNT OF WORK AND THE DILIGENCE YOU'VE DONE. And I'm very proud of the fact that we're taking, you know, I'll, I'll have to admit, Tommy, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that we're being bold, we're taking that advance, because we lead in, sadly, a lot of things, and one of those is the encroaching water. You know, it'd be different if we're talking about, I don't know, building a road or something that shouldn't last for 50 to 60 years, but our home should be built to last. AND I'M JUST SHOCKED THAT WE'RE NOT THINKING ABOUT WHAT WE'RE GOING TO BE um, DEALING WITH IN 25 TO 50 YEARS WHEN WE'RE TALKING ABOUT HOUSES, HOMES FOR OUR PEOPLE. THEY SHOULD BE BUILT TO LAST, AND THEY SHOULD BE BUILT TO SUSTAIN WHAT WE uh, KNOW IS COMING. Um, I'm, I'M THRILLED WITH THIS. OF COURSE THERE ARE MISTAKES. Um, but, but, uh, I'm thrilled that your attitude has been just that that you're uh, prepared to make some changes and, and to uh, to to amend things if need be I, I was not approached by TBA were others approached other than Tommy and
2: Angela
6: so I just am curious about this and I, I'm floored that they've come in at this late time um, to TO um, COUNTER SOME OF THE WORK THAT'S BEEN DONE. when I MEAN, I JUST FEEL LIKE YOU'VE GONE OVER BACKWARDS TO INCORPORATE PEOPLE, AND in, TO HEAR ARGUMENTS AT THE LAST MINUTE, AND TO ONLY HAVE THOSE ARGUMENTS PRESENTED TO A FEW, I FIND um, TROUBLING.
8: I BROUGHT IT UP A COUPLE MONTHS AGO, IN A MEETING. But I
6: DIDN'T GET A LETTER LIKE YOU. got. WELL, THE
8: LETTER JUST CAME. THEY JUST SENT IT OUT. SO So
6: IT JUST CAME?
8: YEAH, right, so IT we JUST can. CAME. So right, WAIT, wait wait, 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 WAIT. IN THEIR DEFENSE, NOBODY KNEW THIS WAS GOING TO BE ON THE AGENDA UNTIL WHEN. When did August 22nd. it? August twenty-second. No, this August It said that it was going to be on this exact day. Yes. Yeah. August twenty-sixth. So does THE public so, know that?
10: So, Tommy, seriously, they, Tommy. They, so listen, I served with Martin on the planning commission when all of this started, just three years ago. The idea that it was TBA is saying that this is hastily done is ridiculous, and I'm sorry, but when they start using that sort of terminology, that sort of hyperbole, it then makes me. QUESTION THEIR OTHER COMMENTS ABOUT THE DOLLAR AMOUNTS THAT THEY HAVE IN THERE. SO THAT, TO ME, IS, is um, AN EGREGIOUS STATEMENT ON THEIR PART, AND IT, it, it DEFINITELY um, CONCERNS ME. THREE YEARS IS A LONG TIME. IT WENT THROUGH PLANNING COMMISSION, AND IT WAS PASSED UNANIMOUSLY IN OCTOBER AND NOVEMBER. WE'VE HAD TWO AND A HALF TO THREE MONTHS. DURING THAT TWO AND A HALF TO THREE MONTHS, WE HAVE NEVER BEEN CONTACTED BY THE TVA WITH THEIR CONCERNS. THEY HAVE BEEN ADDRESSING CONCERNS, AS GEORGE SAID, FOR MONTHS, AND THEY w- WERE INVITED TO COME IN AND TALK AFTER THE PLANNING COMMISSION VOTE FOR MONTHS. THEY CANCELLED A MEETING LAST WEEK. SO I- I'M SORRY. YOU KNOW, IN TERMS OF THE TWEAKS AND THE MISTAKES, THERE'S NOTHING EGREGIOUS IN HERE. It, it, THE TWEAKS ARE GOING TO BE FOR MINOR THINGS, YOU KNOW, IN A HOW MANY PAGE DOCUMENT THAT, that THEY HAVE. THAT'S FINE. Um, AND THE COST, tell me, THE COST OF INSURANCE, THE COST OF FLOOD INSURANCE IS GROWING AND it's, IT'S GOING TO GROW BY 10, 15, 18 PERCENT DEPENDING ON PER YEAR, DEPENDING ON WHAT ANALYST YOU LOOK AT, AND BY INCREASING THE RESILIENCE, YOU'RE GOING TO DECREASE THE COST OF FUTURE FLOOD insurance FOR OUR HOMEOWNERS, AND I THINK THAT'S VERY RESPONSIBLE, AND IF WE weren't TO DO THIS, I THINK THAT WOULD BE IRRESPONSIBLE ON OUR PART. I FEEL VERY STRONGLY ABOUT THIS.
4: Maybe? um I JUST BELIEVE, AS I'VE BEEN SAYING IN THE PAST, THAT WE'RE ONE. We're in one Norfolk. And so what this does present is an opportunity that we can take a look at our city. And in every neighborhood, in every community, we are concerned about resiliency. Um, If we're planning to be bold, as far as developers coming into Norfolk, there was an old saying that you go to Norfolk and you can get what you want because they have to accept it. Well, we're no longer at the point with this governing body and the citizens that we have that we have to accept anything second best. It's what we present is what we're going to get. If we're bold enough and our expectations are extremely high, then that's what we're going to get. And we're going to get the builders and the developers who want to come into our city to deal for Norfolk citizens. And if they don't, then that's okay, too, because we'll have to go to plan B, C, D, and E if we have to, to get what is necessary for us to survive and become the number one city that we said we really wanted to be. And that's One Norfolk. We're we're one, one city, and that includes every community wherever you live in the city of Norfolk.
9: Um, I just want to say I, I really appreciate your arguments and I want to do, I also want to say for the record that nobody from TBA directly contacted me. I did speak to a couple of builders who called me right. about this who had exactly. concern, but no, I will say that no one That's
6: good because we were told it's the
9: opposite.
8: No, no, no these one these are individual builders. None
6: of them
9: called me. None nobody from TBA dialed my phone number. Nobody so were from these builders in TVA? Hurrah, one of them
8: is. One's on a builder. The actual letter that I forwarded to you came from a constituent that lives in Pinewell that is a supplier to builders who supplies wood and everything and is part of TBA. And that's how I got the letter. did not come from TBA. And then all of a sudden, other people started getting it. Yeah.
9: And no one from the Realtors Association, which I'm a member and pay dues, either called me. But you all bring up some very good points. And well, I I'm not
8: anti resiliency. I think you I said in the very beginning, that's not the issue. It's how much we're taking on all at once. And my concern about that is could we have done this in we are we're trying to be bold, and I understand that some people don't want to be as bold yet. Okay. and that's the matter of the fact. We we do represent our range uh, lots of different people. And when I ran for office, I never said I was running to be bold. Okay, that's something new that we have new council members on here. And I think the mayor, you coined that phrase, maybe with Andrea. I don't know where it came from. But when I ran, I didn't say about being bold and and changing. So I don't mind being bold on some things, just with the concerns that were brought forward. It was about economics on this case. It's not, and Paul, you heard me say multiple times, it's not even about TVA's complaints. These are my own formulations before TVA. In brought, DOUG, I'll, I TOLD YOU THAT, RIGHT, mm-hmm. VERY BEGINNING THAT I WAS CONCERNED. GEORGE, I TOLD YOU THAT FROM THE VERY BEGINNING WHEN THIS WAS BROUGHT TO ME. AND I, I DO HAVE SOME ISSUES WITH some form STANDARDS AS WELL AND COOKIE-CUTTER STUFF, BUT yeah, I'M WILLING TO MOVE cutters. BEYOND THAT AND, and do, do, YOU KNOW, IT'S NOT GOING TO IMPACT THE COASTAL CHARACTER DISTRICT BECAUSE THERE IS A PATTERN BOOK, BUT NOT EVERY PART OF THE CITY HAS A PATTERN BOOK. AND SO THERE WILL BE SOME COOKIE-CUTTER, YOU KNOW, STUFF GOING ON IN THE CITY WITH THIS. Yeah, I know it needs to be. It needs to be worked on. So, but I'm willing to
2: pass on that. So, so George, let me ask. In order for the ordinance to go into effect on March first, as far as time to look at whatever mistakes that may be in this draft, I know that we have a public comment period tonight. um, If there are provisions, if there are edits, (coughs) amendments, adjustments to this draft, Can, can we do this? Let's vote on it tonight,
8: Angela. Vote it. but whatever whatever the issue is with TBA, and if they cancel another meeting with you, that's their own fault. Right. Um, but try to sit down with them, and if they found errors, then let's start working on them now before it becomes errors. too late. And Legitimate if they walk errors. away, if they don't show up, that's their own fault. Uh, we are not representatives of TBA. Absolutely. I'm just letting you know that. BUT IF THERE ARE SOME OTHER CONCERNS THAT Absolutely. THEY DID NOT HAVE ENOUGH TIME IN THEIR MIND TO FEEL LIKE THEY WERE ABLE TO ADDRESS IN THE TEN MONTHS THAT THEY okay. SAID THEY HAD SOMEBODY ON THERE, THEN LET'S SEE IF WE CAN WORK SOME OF THAT OUT. ALL
2: RIGHT. SO uh, LET ME JUST ACKNOWLEDGE THE PRESENCE OF SOME OF THE PLANNING uh, COMMISSIONERS, uh, CHAIRMAN EARL Fraley IS HERE. THANK YOU, EARL. Uh, CERTAINLY, IF YOU WANT TO MAKE ANY COMMENTS, THIS IS THE TIME TO DO IT. Uh, STAFF, PLANNING COMMISSION, the PLANNING DEPARTMENT STAFF, uh, THANK YOU VERY MUCH FOR, uh, for ALL YOUR HARD WORK.
12: Thank
2: you, Mr. And Mayor, and members
12: and of council. You, what you, uh, introduce one of your, one of your commissioners. Uh, I will get I will him and introduce to you <laughs> right now. Thank you. <laughs> My fellow commissioner, Mr. Matt Hales. Uh I think you'll hear from Matt a little later on. But uh, I think George captured it. I thought these meetings were only held at Planning Commission, but I'm delighted to see the council does have an open dialogue just like we do. Uh, circumstances are such that, as George indicated. Uh, if we knew we could produce a perfect document, you'd have had it long before now. Uh, we're a cutting edge in terms of trying to build some resiliency into our city, and we're not talking about 2018 resiliency. We're talking about 2040, 2048, 2060, uh, and trying to build our city housing stock so that it maintains itself. I'm <laughs> delighted to hear uh, Dr. Wibley talk about houses lasting. I am an pray- appraiser by practice, and I can tell you from an appraisal perspective, that any house that's built brand new, if you do nothing to it, it should last for 60 years. Uh, I don't know that some of the houses we've been seeing uh, could measure up to that. Uh, So I think by putting some resiliency uh, into some of our construction demands at the outset, at the forefront, will give us an opportunity to help maintain our housing stock long term. We are enormously proud of this. Uh, Our staff, and I want to acknowledge those that are here, have done a tremendous job of listening to me and the other members of the commission, as well as uh, the general public. TBA has always been one that we tried to point out to make sure that we could draw from them as much feedback and information as we possibly could throughout this process. We knew they would be vital to the process in helping us to define what was doable what was uh, workable in terms of being able to build some sustainability as we go forward. Uh, we were disheartened throughout the process when they were, uh, I'll just use the phrase, not as forthcoming as we would have liked. And, of course, as you heard, since October this year, we have been non-existent in terms of wanting to meet with us. Uh, but we're enormously proud of what we've done. We realize that it is a cutting-edge effort. Uh, I won't say bleeding edge, but close And we will also acknowledge that, uh, yeah, there are probably some nuances that we haven't been able to identify because we haven't had any real-life cases yet to measure those against. But as we see those applications come forward, I can assure you with the crack staff that we have in place that we'll be doing a more than measured job to make sure we bring those things in line and uh, make sure that we are as unimpactful as we can possibly be to the TBA community. Quick question. Yes, that's Should
9: there be some kind of issue that is problematic, we go into this goes into effect March first. Is there some kind of appeal process? I don't, and I don't know if there is an appeal process to the because I said so kind of scenario that a. Builder or developer, because you got the big developers that can lawyer up or whatever, but then you got the little guy that does the onesies and twosies and you know all that kind of stuff. So, is there a process that they can appeal something that is, if they have a if there's a legitimate error? Yes, ma'am.
1: Yeah. So, zoning ordinance has a zoning administrator who is designated to. Um, apply the zoning ordinance. Um, Mr. Newcomb was the zoning administrator since about 1607. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's and currently Mr. Tahan. Um, both of them are absolutely committed to making sure that if we discover one of those little glitches um, that we get the person we continue to help them along the the path that they need to be on while we turn around and get this thing fixed um, we we are absolutely committed to that um, now having said that we have tested this thing and tested this thing and tested this thing we do not think that there's anything in here that is a big-time showstopper there might be some thing that we just none of us thought about um, but we, we will work through that we will make it right um, because that's, you know, ultimately what, where we're trying to get to with this is to shorten time frames um, and to increase flexibility and to make it easier to do things in the city of Norfolk. You know, the, the somebody made the comment that there aren't any ec- economists involved in this. Well, um, somebody I know actually studied economics in college, but um, our goal is to um, to... to... The things we want make it easier, faster, and cheaper, and the things that we're trying to, to hold back make it longer, harder, and more expensive. Um, and that, you know, hopefully brings market forces um, to, to, to build something. If if I may, Mr. Mayor, one one thing I would like to, to bring up. Mr. Smeagl, the, the list from TBA of the costs, um, we, we're we stand by the numbers that we've given you. We went over those. Um, there is no $505 fee. Um, some of those they're already having to pay. Um, we're just calling them something different. They're already in the process. So we stand by the the fact that we're talking about somewhere between um, 1,500 and and 2,500 to 3,000 um, is the impact on a, a a standalone single family house. So
2: just real quick, as an example,
8: they said. Pre-install wiring and connections to allow direct connections to a generator during electricity. So we're gonna require every new house in Norfolk that that's built to have a direct generator connection from the outside, which is not no, currently required.
1: That's not gonna be a requirement. Okay. That is one of the choices that they can make to right. to, so but not, to but it's not but it's not a requirement.
8: But I wanna know why all of these people think that it's a requirement. AND SO right. THAT'S WHERE I THINK THESE FURTHER CONVERSATIONS, so yes, well, WHETHER they, IT WAS THEIR FAULT FOR NOT BEING AT THE TABLE, right. let's, set, LET'S GET THIS RESOLVED NOW BEFORE WE GO DOWN A DIFFERENT PATH um, WITH THEM. Yeah, so AND IF WE NEED are. TO BE A CONDUIT, we'll, I mean, it, yeah. MAYBE be a WE'LL a BE a THE conduit. DESIGNATED LIAISONS I'll be, I'll be FOR THEM. I KNOW LIKE THREE I'll OF be THEM. Be SO. so. The well, <laughs> DR. Wibley AND I WANT TO MAKE SURE THAT ACTUALLY
10: ONE OF THE OPTIONS IS TO MAKE SURE THAT THEY HAVE A HOOKUP FOR AN ELECTRIC VEHICLE. Yeah.
6: SO
10: IF YOU
0: THINK THE
10: GENERATORS, WHICH IS WHAT
9: THE STATE OF CALIFORNIA, <laughs> I THINK THE STATE OF
0: CALIFORNIA HAS JUST yeah. AS AN OPTION, NOT yeah. A REQUIREMENT. No, it's one of those I DON'T WANT TO BE There's CALIFORNIA. An <laughs> IT'S AN OPTION. IT'S AN OPTION. RIGHT. SO, MR. Uh, MAGLE AND COUNCIL, THE COMMITMENT I'LL MAKE TO YOU IS WE TALK A LOT ABOUT BEING A COLLABORATIVE COMMUNITY, RIGHT? AND SO I THINK THAT'S WHERE YOU ALL ARE GOING IS YOU WANT US TO COLLABORATE WITH, uh, with THE STAKEHOLDERS AND, FRANKLY, TBA IN PARTICULAR. Um, if, if I suspect the, their municipal affairs commission or committee would probably like to meet with us and talk through these things, if, if so, um, I will facilitate that first meeting, start that process, and stay personally engaged in this. I've got a lot of confidence in the planning staff, and we were, we were talking at the beginning of, the, of the, uh, the meeting about the programmatic budgeting that we've done, and we talked about process that's you know, we're, we're working through that. One of the things planning did is one of their programs they actually listed as customer service, and they literally took a piece. OF EVERY SINGLE PERSON'S TIME AND APPLIED IT TO customer service. WE WERE SAYING, HOW DO YOU HAVE ALL THESE CUSTOMER SERVICE FTEs? And THE REALITY IS, IT'S PART OF it's part of THE CULTURE THAT GEORGE IS TRYING TO CREATE DOWN THERE. SO WE, we ARE GOING TO CONTINUE THAT CULTURE, THEY WILL CONTINUE THAT CULTURE, BUT um, I WOULD su- SUBMIT TO YOU THAT I WILL STAY PERSONALLY INVOLVED IN THIS PROCESS AND MAKE SURE we, we, FOLKS MIGHT NOT LIKE ALL THE ANSWERS, BUT WE WILL MAKE SURE THAT FOLKS ARE HEARD AND UNDERSTAND WHAT IT IS WE ARE DOING, it. AND IF WE HAVE GOT THINGS THAT, are, that NEED TO BE FIXED, WE WILL FIX THEM.
8: I'm saying, if you thought you were anybody was going to come in here and just present this and have yeah. eight yeses and no questions, right. I, I, okay. then I don't understand. I mean, nobody should be taking any of our comments personally on this. Um, we all. No, are, I don't either.
6: But no. I, I, I mean, think it's great that you're going to meet. And with I, them I've, and I've sat this. in many
8: meetings. I don't them, want so. IT DELAYED. <laughs> I don't no, want IT DELAYED.
6: I'm not asking.
8: Okay. That. Nobody's yeah. that we we're,
6: we're delaying. We are not delaying it. That's yeah. fine. I'm good.
8: I'm good. Give a compromise.
0: George right. said George. Right.
10: Sales 101, baby. Right. <laughs> right. you got yes.
1: right. Near, nearly as transformative as the zoning ordinance, and also on your agenda tonight, is the, the Coastal Character District pattern book. Um, yet another thing that um, where Norfolk is way out in uh, in, in leadership role, um, and um, so I, I wanted to make sure that we didn't sort of skip over this um, because the, with the zoning ordinance. I have
5: questions. <laughs> <laughs> George,
0: I asked you my one question two weeks ago I'm gonna ask Greg Patrick that uh, your uh, budget strategic planning director to jump up and talk to you about uh, outside agencies
13: uh, good evening mayor members of council uh, today I have for you the third uh, budget vignette as we be as you begin preparations uh, for your discussions of the fiscal year 2019. Uh, budget. Uh, The topic today is grant funding for the city's community, social, and arts and culture partners. Uh, Again, these vignettes are intended to be informational and do not include staff recommendations or require action from City Council. Uh, So first, today we'll discuss uh, what's included in the presentation and what's not. Uh, Next, I'll provide you with a breakdown of the grant programs and the funding associated with those programs. Uh, Finally, I'll provide you with a summary of all grant funding that the city provides uh, to our community social and arts and culture partners. Uh, Please keep in mind the funding discussed in this presentation is based on the adopted fiscal year 2018 uh, budget. So specifically, this presentation will cover city grant programs with a defined application process uh, and grant funds that are awarded directly by city council in the budget. Uh, What's not included is dues or memberships for local or regional uh, or state organizations like VML or Virginia First Cities, uh, or contractually obligated support for local and regional service providers like Hampton Roads Transit or NRHA or the Hampton Roads Regional Jail, uh, or payments that are made to agencies that are chosen during the fiscal fiscal year through the procurement process to carry out uh, programs. What we really want to show you here is essentially uh, the discretionary funds that are awarded to our partners. Uh, in the adopted budget each year. So first, an overview of the the grant programs. Uh, Based on the criteria we've laid out, uh, the city has six grant programs that we'll review today. Uh, They're listed on this slide, and we'll go into each of these programs in a little bit more detail. Uh, So the first grant program we'll review is called the Outside Agency Grant Program. Uh, Grants through this program are typically used for general operating support. Uh, or to support specific initiatives. Uh, Grants for these organizations uh, are itemized in the outside agency section of the budget and approved when City Council adopts the budget. Uh, We've broken this grant program program down into two components. Uh, First is funding for the Norfolk Arts and Culture Consortium, and secondly, funding for other social and cultural organizations. Uh, First we'll take a look at the uh, consortium funding. Uh, The Norfolk Arts and Culture Consortium is made up of the city's large event organizations. You'll all be very familiar with the names of the organizations that are on this slide. Uh, Total funding for the consortium in the adopted fiscal year 2018 budget is a little more than $13 million. Uh, This funding comes from three different sources. Uh, A little less than $2 million comes directly from the $2 bed tax. Uh, $3 million comes from the Public Amenities Fund and the remainder, the remainder of about $8 million is supported by general fund revenue. So the next portion of the uh, outside agency grant program are grants provided directly uh, in the budget to support an array of social and cultural programs. Uh, again, you'll be familiar with many of the names on, uh, uh, on this slide. Uh, total funding is a little more than $2.1 million, and all of it comes from general fund revenue. Uh, The city also awards uh, a little more than $660,000 in human services grants each year. Uh, A number of the uh, fiscal year 2018 grant recipients are listed on this slide. There's too many to fit them all in. Uh, These grants support Norfolk's at-risk populations of children, uh, families, the elderly, uh, and residents with disabilities and the homeless. Uh, Grants typically range from $10,000 to $60,000. Uh, Organizations uh, for this grant program apply directly to the Department of Human Services uh, for funding each year. Uh, Grants are then awarded by a multi-departmental review committee, uh, and this grant program is 100 percent supported by general fund revenue. Uh, The next program we'll review is our arts and humanities grants. Uh, These funds support local arts and culture organizations for general operating expenses or specific events. Uh, Organizations apply directly to the Norfolk Commission on Arts and Humanities uh, for funding. Grants typically range from uh, $1,000 up to, in some instances, around $40,000. Many of the organizations that receive grant funds are listed on the slide. Again, there's too many to fit them all in. Uh, And this program is is also supported 100 percent by general fund revenue. Uh, The city also awards uh, public service grants to organizations using our HUD funds. Uh, So these HUD funds come from three different sources, uh, the Community Development Block Grant, the Home Investment Partnership Program, and the Emergency Solutions Grant. In fiscal year 2018, a total of more than $1.4 million was awarded for public service grants from these programs. Uh, These grants support health and social service programs, uh, economic development programs, homelessness programs, and provide uh, homebuyer down payment assistance. Uh, organizations apply to the uh, directly to the Department of Neighborhood Development for funds each year, and uh, uh, funding is awarded directly by City Council in the budget. Uh, next is the Tourism Infrastructure Repair Program. Uh, funding for this program comes from 1% of the 8% hotel tax. Uh, in fiscal year 2018, that amounts to an estimated $944,000. This program was established to support improvements to the city's uh, arts and culture infrastructure. And in this slide, you can see the three organizations and projects that were awarded funding in fiscal year 2018. And finally, the last program we'll discuss is the sponsorships program. Uh, $200,000 is set aside annually to sponsor local events. Uh, Organizations apply directly to the city manager's office for funding. Uh, Typically, sponsorships range from uh, a couple hundred bucks up to uh, $10,000 or more. And again, this program is funded by uh, general fund revenue. So to wrap up, if we take a look at all of those grant programs, um, you've got about $18.7 million in uh, grant program funding throughout the city. That's it.
8: I don't know if anybody had the opportunity to play around with the link that they sent, where you can Balancing balance the budget. Yeah. Have any of you done that? If you haven't, you need to do it. The only thing I was disappointed on is that there was not a specific link to reduce the city manager's salary, so I didn't see that anywhere. <laughs> to be fair, that. we
13: had that in, but Doug made it STILL. Okay. <laughs> yes, I did. I
8: did give the mayor your, uh, you know, salary. I raised.
6: Is. And
8: and you so. got A raise too. No, <laughs> <laughs> but it is, and and I we need to push that out probably the yeah. more citizens. So and the it's pretty cool. Yeah. it shows you where your
10: specifically
8: where your taxes go. Well, yeah. it allows yeah, it allows you the what your priorities are and how much the city really spends on that. So it's a really neat tool. Whoever put that together, good job. Thank you. So
6: with this these funding, I think. WE ALL KNOW THAT WE ALL HAVE GONE TO THE MANAGER AND SAID, GOLLY GEE, THERE'S A PROGRAM COMING mm-hmm. ALONG THAT I REALLY SUPPORT, AND I'D LIKE YOU TO GIVE SOME EXTRA MONEY TO THAT. Um, WHERE DOES THAT MONEY COME FROM? I <laughs>
0: HAVEN'T FOUND THAT MONEY. Yeah. <laughs> Marcus TOOK THAT TO CHARLOTTE. I, you know, I <laughs> THINK THAT'S <laughs> A DISCUSSION WE'VE yeah. TO HAVE
6: AT THE RETREAT. Right. I REALLY DO. I, YOU KNOW, AS FAR AS... How we as a council approach that, and, and whether we think individual asks are appropriate, or how we handle that. So, and this is kind of that exactly that area. Exa- well, this that is why we're, we're showing it to you. We really yeah. want
0: you to see a what money you have, but b how you've been spending it. And so I mean, I'll let the community see. It. I think it's it's been well spent, but it is you, the um, the asks will always outweigh the the, the, the ability to, to FUND, fund. So it really is. We want you to see all this.
2: Andrea, did maybe.
10: Uh, two quick questions, HUD uh, money. Is that money that we have that's automatically coming in or money for which we have to apply and then we disperse? How does that work?
13: So as an entitlement community, the HUD programs listed here uh, come in annually. Uh, we don't know the exact amount we're going to get annually, um, but these are entitlement funds.
10: So it just flows through us, or do we have a bucket of money and then we disperse to those agencies?
13: So the money comes into the city, and then we have an opportunity to, on the public service side, accept applications for projects uh, or to allocate the use for other um, eligible activities. I
2: think the question I to add on, is the money earmarked is, yeah. or is it discretionary? I believe most of it is earmarked for a specific purpose. Earmarked spe- than those, and, yeah. Yeah, those? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay.
10: right. And just other thing is, you know, I think it's challenging. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of money that we're giving out to cultural and arts and organizations, mm-hmm. and, and I think It's hard when we look at all the other issues that we have to deal with. I I recognize that. But I want to make the comment that the reason we're having the growth downtown in lots of parts of our city is because we have a lot of empty nesters moving from Virginia Beach and Chesapeake because they want to be in the heart of Norfolk where it's walkable and they can get to all these cultural amenities. So while it is an arts FOCUS,
0: IT'S ALSO AN ECONOMIC DEVELOPMENT FOCUS, AND I THINK WE need to, NEED TO BALANCE THAT. SO JUST WANTED TO PUT THAT OUT THERE. THANK YOU. GREG, THANK YOU. <coughs> I'm,
9: sorry. Oh, I'm, yes, sorry. I'M SORRY. I'M i yes, I'M SORRY. <laughs> SO, ONE OF THE you
4: AREAS, AND ALTHOUGH THE MONEY IS EARMARKED, ONE OF THE QUESTIONS THAT I'VE Proved TO YOU MANY TIMES IS HOW DO WE ADDRESS THOSE GRASSROOT ORGANIZATIONS WHO HAVE A DIRECT IMPACT IN THE COMMUNITIES. THEY, they HAVE THEIR 501 C3. Is THEY HAVE THAT, BUT THEY ALSO NEED ASSISTANCE TO CARRY OUT THE WORK THAT THEY'RE DOING IN THE, the, the COMMUNITY. How do we address those small, like small businesses, um, how do we address those organizations that have a direct impact on the community? All
0: of these do as well, but they're more grassroots. So we're going to have a chance to talk some at the retreat about what's important to you all and things that that, that you want to fund. One of the things with this list that we've at least tried to do since I've been here is, is when folks get on this list, try to say you're not... You get on here now, but you're not on here forever. You know, a lot of this is Good. to is to fund things to get them started, fund them for two or three <coughs> years or whatever that is, but then stop. You know, hopefully they become self-sustaining, and then you're able to go take that money and fund something else. So I think the mistake we make sometimes in local government is things get in and it's just it, it, it becomes an entitlement. And that's my concern with the cultural right, and
8: the arts is that how many of those organizations stop doing fundraising because of maybe a political connection or wife was on a board. Trust me, they don't stop fundraising. They call me I, every but, day. But <laughs> some 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 groups have, have gotten used to that and when okay. we've tried to lower it, it's all hell breaks loose. That you the organization's gonna shut down because we take two hundred and fifty thousand dollars out of their budget. And and I I think Doug, what I heard you say from the very beginning and Patrick's, we gotta go to the citizens and find out what they want. To be paying for where the priorities are, it shouldn't be just council making these decisions well, because and I think
6: there needs to be consistency,
8: absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean,
6: these agencies in fairness need to know that HERE'S good, what
2: we're right. going to do for you, and here's what you can expect. So, that's going to get lower. To a give time to respond. I'm going to call on Michelle or uh, James to talk about what we're doing for some of the small civic organizations. We have a pot of money there. So, Michelle, why don't you? Because I think we're doing things, but we just need to get it out. So, Michelle, why don't you tell what we're doing?
14: Yeah. Um, I think what the mayor is talking about, the Department of Neighborhood Development has many grants and matching grants, um, and it is called the Block by Block Neighborhood Pride Grant Program. There are many grants up to five hundred dollars and matching grants up to twenty-five hundred dollars for neighborhood-based <coughs> organizations that are either five hundred one c threes or at least have their they are a legal entity through the State Corporation Commission, and the um, The idea of the grants, the idea behind the grants, was to have residents um, who are part of a civic league or neighborhood to come out of their individual homes to work together to address issues in their neighborhoods and then use the grant funding to be able to address some of those issues. They vary um, in the way they can be used, um, in the way uh, they can be uh, physical um, updating actual areas. Um, with land, landscaping, it can be if they want to do some kind of skill building um, training, we've had people to do resource fairs, we've had people to do neighborhood projects where they have, for example, the um, Berkeley Reunion has used the grant on um, several, several occasions. So those kinds of grants are available throughout our
2: department. So how, do we get, how do we get that out, um, get it disseminated, because… Well, um, we've been doing that, but um, we certainly can do that
14: better through having you all understand that th- these things exist as well, but working with Marcom to get that information out regularly. Well. But it, we've been doing that for about four five
13: years, years, actually. Okay. Yes. She rarely says no. All right.
4: okay. and, and,
14: and Mr.
13: Mayor, um,
4: I'm aware of what Mrs. Johnson does as far as that. As a matter of fact, she trained me. So I, I, She and James trained me, so... Um, I KNEW ABOUT THAT PROGRAM, AND IT IS A VERY GOOD PROGRAM. Um, BUT, AGAIN, I'M COMING BACK TO, BECAUSE I ASKED DOUG TO GIVE THIS BREAKDOWN RIGHT HERE, WHERE WAS ALL OF OUR MONEY GOING AS FAR AS SUPPORTING um, DIFFERENT ENTITIES THROUGHOUT THE CITY. SO THANK YOU FOR for DOING THIS. Um, BUT, um, AND MRS. JOHNSON AND DEPARTMENT OF NEIGHBORHOOD DEVELOPMENT does an excellent job with um, civic leagues and smaller organization. But again, um, the other organizations that are doing great work, such as some of these organizations, <clears throat> that they don't have the support of the city um, at all, and some of them are struggling, and they're um, meeting some of the criteria or our thumbs up that we're saying that we want to see in the city.
0: So, so my goal is exactly what you, is just to make sure everybody knows no, where this money's going. Okay. And if we decide we want it to go somewhere else, then we have that up. Here. Okay. All right, Angela, then Mr. Ray. Thank you.
9: Um, no, I was just going to say um, I hear some of those same uh, comments with smaller organizations. I think the one thing that we do have to make sure of is there are a lot of people who run around, they do good work, but they really don't have the legitimate organizational structure. That we need them to have, they say they're 501c3, but they may not be realistically a 501c3. So I think we also have to make sure that we keep, you know, whatever we whatever money we give away, we need to make sure we're giving it away to organizations that have the correct, that have the right, that can produce the documentation to show that they have the proper structure. And then um, some councils do. Um, council members have budgets. FOR THIS TYPE OF, SO YOU TAKE THE WHOLE $18 MILLION, YOU BACK OUT WHAT IS SPECIFICALLY EARMARKED. IF WE DON'T DO THAT FOR IT, WE JUST DON'T GET THE MONEY. SO YOU BACK THAT OUT, AND THEN WHATEVER IS LEFT, SOME COUNCILS, um, EACH COUNCIL MEMBER HAS A BUDGET that they are allotted to be able to say, Mr. Manager, I'm, I'm, I'm sending you this person, or whatever your designee is, I'm sending you this person to get whatever the need is, or to whatever it may be. Um, but I don't think... So that's an option for us to consider as well. But the piece that you said about clarity and making sure that organizations know that this is not an ongoing thing, I don't think we make that clear because there are organizations that make their city funding part of their budget. And they don't look for other avenues to, you know shrink the amount that they're at reduce the amount that they're asking from the city. They keep, they, and like Tommy says, and then when we say we're not going to give it, then, you know, they're just down here crying the blues. So we need to make it more, we need to make it clear somewhere in something that they sign that says this is a one year and every year is competitive, if you will.
13: It's great. Part of the great process, point. we also ask them, we also do compliance on these as well. So, we, particularly on the HUD side, if we give you the money, there is someone going to be checking on part of, it. and also the part of it, there is part of this back One of the things we ask them, how will you sustain uh, your pro- program? And they have to tell us that. AGAIN, But again, it, it has gotten to the point where sometimes they they are uh, dependent upon it. And so again, but we try to make it very clear, you have to have some sustainability. But we do uh, monitor this. We have people who actually have, have a compliance part of this to make sure they're doing what they say. Okay, Mr. Riddick.
0: Yeah, uh, uh-huh. is uh, four kids still in Norfolk? Um, I DON'T KNOW IF THEY'RE STILL, THEY'RE MOVING TO Chesapeake. right whether whether SO that's THE 19 BUDGET, I WOULD THEY BE ELIGIBLE FOR uh, They. they I, I, would argue, I WOULD SAY YES, IN THAT THEY SERVICE um, they NORFOLK they RESIDENTS, they residents and YES, I WOULD THINK THEY WOULD
9: BE. AND THEY HAVE I'll SHELTERS IN NORFOLK WHERE THEY HOUSE OUR KIDS yes. AND
0: FAMILIES, TOO. Yeah. RIGHT, MR. MANAGER. KIM, IF YOU'LL THROW UP THE SECOND RETREAT SLIDE, IT'S A NICE SEGUE, AND I'M NOT SURE, I'M GOING TO ANSWER THE SECOND HALF OF YOUR QUESTION, MS. JOHNSON, WHICH WAS ABOUT SMALL BUSINESS. Um, so you've got the retreat, and we can talk some more on the city. But you've got the retreat coming up on the 12th and 13th. And I want to tell you sort of the framework. I told you some of this uh, uh, last uh, meeting that we're going to kind of have this theme of uh, this is uh, sort of a city moment that we're having. I think in the in the world, and it's the and it's the and it's the the big issues uh, from transportation to poverty to sea level rise to mobility to housing. are really getting answered and addressed at the local level in, in a unique way so we want to frame that conversation a little bit but uh, dr. Wibley helped me sort of start to figure out how to guide you all in the conversation but let let this be your conversation and so we're going to work to make sure that after each of these sections you, you got a chance I had your to, back. yeah you got you got a chance to, to talk and, and, and say what and so what we really want to do is talk about what does that mean in Norfolk? what does that that mean today and, and um, PART OF THAT IS GOING TO BE TO GIVE YOU SOME CONTEXT OF WHAT THE REGIONAL ECONOMY IS LOOKING LIKE AND SO WE'RE GOING TO BRING GREG RUTEN FROM THE PDC to, TO TALK ABOUT KIND OF WHAT'S HAPPENING AND THE REALITY IS WE'RE HAVING SORT OF SLOW GROWTH AS A REGION BUT THEN START TO TALK WE KEEP TALKING ABOUT EQUITABLE OR INCLUSIVE ECONOMIC DEVELOPMENT AND INCLUSIVE ECONOMIC GROWTH BUT WHAT DOES THAT MEAN? WHAT DOES THAT MEAN TO THAT SMALL BUSINESS THAT YOU'RE TALKING ABOUT AND WHAT DOES THAT MEAN IN TERMS OF what it is that we that, that you all and that we as a community are trying to accomplish. So we'll spend some time uh, talking about that. You all will spend some time talking about that. We've got TO, back to that creativity idea. Uh, I'm not going to bring it. All, I'm not going to make you paint this time, but we are <laughs> going to do. I think a, 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 something fun and interesting yes, in yes. terms of a, of a speaker uh, before dinner, and again talk about that idea of Norfolk as a, as a creative Same community. Then Greg in the morning will give you <coughs> sort of the the, um, the financial context. FOR WHERE WE ARE IN TERMS OF MIDYEAR AND WHAT THE OUTLOOK IS AND uh, FOR NORFOLK uh, SPECIFICALLY, AND um, MR. Riddick had ASKED US TO TALK ABOUT, AND I THINK IT'S a REALLY GOOD, THIS IS A GOOD PLACE TO DO IT, TO TALK ABOUT THE ECONOMIC DEVELOPMENT PROJECTS THAT HAVE GONE ON THE LAST, CALL IT uh, HALF A DECADE OR MORE, AND HOW ARE THEY DOING, HOW ARE THEY PERFORMING, how, wh- WHAT WAS THE STRUCTURE, AND, and I, would ta- I WOULD TELL YOU THAT um, uh, I THINK THE MODEL FOR SOME <coughs> OF OUR ECONOMIC DEVELOPMENT PROJECTS GOING FORWARD NEEDS TO CHANGE. Uh, That I think the old model made a ton of sense at the time, Uh, but we, you know, we we talk a lot about. uh, We're going to talk a lot to you about the amount of debt that we've got and and, and paying off that debt. But uh, I think that that conversation will give you some good context to talk about to sort of lead into the budget. And then, um, if uh, Mr. Smeagle's elimination of my salary didn't count tonight, then we'll have the appointee evaluations <laughs> uh, that afternoon. But uh, just want you to have a sense of where we're going, and if there's things that you all want that aren't here, and just let us know. We got the six to talk, and uh, we look forward to hearing from y'all. Just yes,
9: when you're talking about um, the economic outlook and um, where we are in our debt structure, can you also include some? St- some things that are falling off? Is there anything that, you know, I know we have
0: a lot of debt, and I know we still have a little, so what What are we going to yeah. pay off? Yeah, what great. mortgages so can we there, burn? There's a great slide. <laughs> I mean, really? Yeah, there's a great slide.
9: I'll, I'll so i know how much money we I, can spend yeah, in I'll the Yeah, jump jump I'll
0: jump to the conclusion. Yeah, or, uh, uh, hang around yeah. till 2022, because <laughs> that's when things start feeling better from a debt perspective. Yeah. But it's we're going to show you kind of where, where you're going and, and how you got there. Yes, yes, ma'am. We'll, we'll
4: and pay. it's like that dashboard that we yeah. keep, Talking about that we were given when I first came on on council. That said, here's a list of all the projects. Here's the movement where we are, and I could check every. We've checked every one of them off (coughs) except for one, and I want to know where that one is so I could check it off.
8: um, Bob O'Neill, this guy. Oh, thanks. I always go back to Mr. Riddick. Over the years, with um, some of our um, facilitators. SOME OF THEM HAVE JUST BEEN A COMPLETE DISASTER, AND I, I READ THIS GUY, yeah. HE SEEMS PRETTY GOOD. Yeah. I KNOW he, HE WANTS TO SPEAK TO US FOR LIKE 30 MINUTES, AND, and I JUST WANT TO MAKE SURE WE'RE NOT REPEATING. Some, w- WE'VE DONE THIS WITH OTHER FACILITATORS THAT THERE'S SOME WORK THAT'S BEEN DONE, YOU KNOW, WHERE well, THEY WANT US TO HAVE KUMBAYA MOMENTS AND, YOU KNOW, THAT WE ALL HAVE TO AGREE AND HOLD HANDS AND EVERYTHING. I JUST WANT TO MAKE SURE WE'RE NOT GOING
0: DOWN I will path, never, please, submit you to a Myers Briggs test. Yeah, that's a Descimo- yeah. So, no. So what we're, we're really going this is to this is um, yeah, okay. this retreat is facilitator light. Okay, and okay. in, in that Bob's going to come in, um, and and he is some of you may know him. He was the city manager of Hampton years ago, but the, most recently has run the International City Managers Association, and he's just got a really interesting perspective. And so all I really want him to do is frame some of the conversation for you all, not really serve that traditional facilitator role. So I, I, I've heard you loud and clear, so we really are going facilitator-less on this uh, retreat. There's a one guy, <laughs> Mr. Riddick sent him home. He said, do not bring him back the next day.
8: Oh, man. Oh, all right, got him on airplane. We had one minutes.
9: We did have one that was
8: really said, get on the airplane, go home. That was